Let's start this over again. I've been talking to myself because I've been on mute this whole time. So, Seahawks fans, welcome. Uh, this is Brian Nemhauser and uh, Hawk Blogger, and welcome to the first game of the regular season. Um, this is going to be huge today. Uh, I can't wait. I think we've already seen some big news break. Um, last night, Aaron Nagler, who was on our show on Real Hawk Talk on Tuesday, broke the news that. Brian Bulaga does not look like he will play. Nagler actually predicted that to be the case on our show on Tuesday. And he played, he practiced throughout the week, and so it looked like he was going to make it. He's been listed as questionable. As of last night, if reports are true, he will not play this week. That is big news for this game. Bulaga is one of the best tackles in the league. He paired with David Bakhtiari, their other tackle, gave the Packers if not the best tackle combination in the game, definitely one of the top two or three. And Bulaga is good in pass blocking and run blocking. If he can't go, that's going to mean one of two players get to step up. That's going to mean either Kyle Murphy, uh, who was a rookie last year and played all of around 16 snaps, would get the go, or Jason Spriggs, who's also a young player, played more snaps last year, a couple hundred snaps, would go. Neither one of those players have actually graded out very well in the chances they've gotten. And in the preseason, neither one of them looked very good either. Now, Don Barkley was a guy that was getting some of those snaps, but he's on injured reserve. He's not going to be the guy that plays. So the Packers would be forced to play one of these very inexperienced right tackles in the place of Bulaga, assuming that he doesn't play. Now, what that means is in base defense, you're going to see Michael Bennett go up against either of those players. And that's a tough matchup for anybody, let alone an inexperienced tackle. Now, in nickel situations, Bennett slides inside. And so what that will mean is that you're going to see someone like um, Frank Clark out there on the outside edge or Marcus Smith or David Bass or someone along those lines. Cliff Averill will likely be going against David Bakhtiari, their left tackle. But that's obviously a big advantage. Frank Clark could do serious damage against either one of those guys. Big difference there. And I'll add that this isn't just about the pass rush. That's obviously the big thing. But it's also about run blocking. And Michael Bennett is one of the best run defenders in the NFL, especially when he's playing on the edge. Um, super strong, super disruptive. That's going to be a handful for them and could really hurt the Packers on early downs, leading to longer third downs for, for Aaron Rodgers to convert. Now, I don't believe that this is the death knell for the Packers' chances. I believe that Aaron Rodgers at home with those weapons is going to be lethal no matter what the situation is with his line. He is, he is very crafty in terms of finding passing lanes, in terms of diagnosing defenses pre-snap and making his decisions quickly so he can be decisive and get the ball out quickly. He's also good at finding some extra space and buying some time by moving in the pocket and out of the pocket. So, you know, don't assume that this is game over for the Packers. I don't expect that most people would assume that, but this is a big deal. Um, it's going to mean I think Aaron Rodgers is more likely to look for guys like Ty Montgomery sneaking out of the backfield. The Seahawks could get really big pressure and they could look at the screen game or other things 
for Rodgers to be able to take advantage of the Seahawks' aggressiveness and look for ways to drop it off. Could lead to things like, um, uh, I just said screen passes, but the other thing is a draw play. Sorry, draw plays. Common counter to when a Seahawks, to when a defensive line is getting a lot of upfield pressure is to try to take advantage of that aggressiveness and beat it with something like a draw play. So I think there's going to be some things the Packers try to do, assuming that Belaga doesn't play. Now, um, another report that we've seen this morning is that Thomas Rawls looks like he will not play. This was reported by um, a couple of folks. I think Mike Garofolo was one of them. And I think we've also seen uh, Justina Anderson talk about that if Rawls does not play, we will see more from Eddie Lacy. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think we'll also see, obviously, Chris Carson active. And I think they will be not at all afraid to, to hand him the ball you know, seven to 10 times this game. So I think it's a great chance for Chris Carson to make an impact. Really excited to see what he can do. And I think we're going to look at um, a steady diet of Eddie Lacy. And look, one of the key matchups in this game, and I wrote about it this week, is is going to be Jermaine Effetti on the right side. And he will likely be going against Dean Lowry, who is their left defensive end. Nick Perry usually lines up on the right side, so he would be going up against Riso Diombo. We'll talk about that more in a second. But I think that Dean Lowry trying to go up against Effetti will be a, a, an interesting um, push and pull. Effetti obviously not super strong in pass protection, although has shown some improvement. But he is pretty strong in run blocking, and he's pretty strong at sealing the edge. And so if he's able to seal that right edge, that also is where the Packers have, in the last season, shown a lot of vulnerability in terms of giving up run plays. They averaged 5.4 yards per carry for opponents running off of right tackle last year. The Seahawks, when they played the Packers last year, averaged 7 yards per carry running off of right tackle. And what many people don't remember is this team averaged 5.2 yards per carry against the Packers last year, over 130 yards rushing. And that was with Thomas Rawls, Troy Maine Pope, and Alex Collins as the running backs, and Russell Wilson hobbled and not running the ball. So um, that should be a really interesting, um, you know, game within the game. I think that's the, that when the Packers have faced strong run offenses, they have they've been challenged um, quite a bit. So that's going to be a key aspect of this game. We'll see what comes there. The other side, you've got Nick Perry, one of the best pass rushers definitely for the Packers and among the better pass rushers in the league going against Riso Diombo. What's going to be fair to expect from Riso Diombo today? This is his first career start in the NFL as a regular season left tackle. It is a lot to ask for him to come in and play well. I expect some mistakes. I expect some false starts from both Fetty and Odiombo, some holding penalties. It's going to happen. I think people can want or expect him to play uh, perfectly or really well, that's not what's going to happen. So fair expectations for this game for someone like Riccio Odiambo is that he's able to allow the offense to function, that they don't have to keep uh, their running back in on every play to chip the left uh, uh, chip and help on the left side, that they don't have to keep an extra tight end in to chip and help, that they're able to actually go in and for the most part, get the ball out and make plays. Now, if Russell Wilson's getting rid of the ball, similar time frame that he was in the preseason, then I think that's realistic. If he's getting rid of the ball in two and a half seconds or less, I think that you've got someone like Riso Diombo who has a good shot to be able to protect for that long. 
Where I think Odiambo is going to struggle is in run blocking. I don't think I've seen him do a great job of that so far. I'll be really interested to watch today. Perry's a pretty good run defender, so I think he could get into the backfield and give the team trouble, and we'll just have to see which way the Seahawks run. Perry and Mike Daniels together are a handful when it comes to, to the run game, so expect the Seahawks to have trouble running you know, left of center and just in general in the middle of the field. I think they're going to have a better chance running over the right side, behind Lewinsky, behind Jermaine Effetti. Now, um, Shaq Griffin, another name who's getting his first start. I'm going to call it a first start, even though technically Jeremy Lane is the second starter opposite Richard Sherman. I expect that we will see the Packers come out in three receiver sets in most situations, which will mean the Seahawks are in nickel, and you're looking at Shaq Griffin on the field on the outside. Look for Aaron Rodgers to attack him regularly. Look for them to, even if Shaq Griffin holds up early, to come back over and over again. And he's going to give up some plays. Expect it. It's going to happen. What's important to note is, one, are those plays over the top? Is he getting beat for explosive plays, 16 yards or greater? That's a key metric. If he's getting beat for 10-yard, 12-yard plays, they're frustrating. They're first downs. They're not what you want to see, but they are acceptable. This, this defense is built to limit the explosive play and make the offense string play after play after play together down the field in the expectation that eventually either they will make a mistake or the Seahawks will force a mistake. So that's a key aspect here for Shaq Griffin. How many explosive plays does he give up? Now, those can come in two ways. One, that can come in a pass that goes over his head. Um, that is the worst. You don't want to see him, someone getting behind him and getting uh, over him. Specifically, look for that on double moves because he's going to be aware that they're going to try to beat him underneath and take advantage of what people like Stefan Diggs did during the preseason. But the other way this could happen is missed tackles. If he's not able to uh, – Sorry, just uh, one second there. If he's not able to deal with um, missed uh, a play that's made in front of him and he misses the tackle, that can turn into a big run after the catch. So either one of those types of explosive plays are things that we want to make sure Shaq Griffin avoids. I have high confidence that he's going to be able to do that. I think he's going to have a big day. It wouldn't surprise me if Shaq Griffin ends up being a guy who ends up with his hands on the ball, either through an interception or a fumble recovery, um, I just think this guy is made for these moments and, um, uh, you know, I don't want to build him up too big because at the same time, look, uh, we saw in Brandon Browner's second game, I believe, maybe it was his first, but second game against Pittsburgh on the road, Ben Roethlisberger really took advantage of him. They scored a couple touchdowns off of him. Seahawks Twitter was going crazy. You know, it was like, this guy's trash. We should not play him. Media was saying this guy's no good. He's too big. He can't do it. You know, at the time, I knew what Brandon Browner was. I tweeted about it. Um, I thought he was going to be a Pro Bowl player. He ended up being a Pro Bowl player that year. So I think Shaq Griffin could have some challenges today. It might not, it's probably not going to be his best game. I think that's a fair way to characterize it. He will get better as this year goes on. He may struggle a little bit. But I just have this feeling that he has the grit necessary to come back from those challenges and have a great game today. So Looking forward to seeing what comes there. Now, what's a fair expectation for the offensive line in general? I, I think that we talked about Fetty, we talked about Odiambo, Luke Jokel, Justin Britt, Mark Lewinsky. 
Um, those guys, uh, they're going to have their hands full. I think Luke Jokel, not a not a believer yet. Out of trouble against Mike Daniels. I think um, that could be a big factor in this game. I think Justin Britt's going to have to help quite a bit. And even with that help, I think it's going to be a challenge. So um, that's a big deal. And uh, I think that we're going to look for uh, uh, a focus on Mike Daniels, how they block him, what kind of plays they run to counter him. But I do believe, again, if Russell Wilson's able to get rid of the ball quickly, I think you're going to see that offense um, perform quite well. One of the things that's different between this year and last year is I think the Seahawks have more plays that allow them to uh, isolate someone like a Tyler Lockett or a Doug Baldwin and let them run option routes um, and let Russell Wilson work with them and run variable plays based on how the defense is and the coverage is showing. So I think that gives them a lot more confidence to attack quickly and to go to a player and someone like Baldwin or Lockett who consistently creates separation and get open. Um, I don't think they've taken as much advantage of those players as they, as they could have in the past, partially because they kind of run a read and react offense where the first read isn't there, Russell moves on. I think in this situation, there's going to be a little bit more um, optionality in, in how they attack the defense. Now, moving on the defensive line, this is where all of us are most excited, right? I mean, I think everybody is looking forward to seeing Sheldon Richardson, Michael Bennett, Frank Clark, Cliff Averill on the field at the same time. I think that there's underrated aspects of this that are also exciting to see. We're going to see Nas Jones get his first snaps. This guy has been really positive in the preseason. I think you're going to see Jaron Reed look productive. And I'm really interested to see what we're going to, um, uh, what's going to take, who's going to take the field in base defense. You can expect Michael Bennett to be on the outside on the defensive end, five technique. You can expect to see Sheldon Richardson at the three technique, which is where Tony McDaniel usually played last year. And then you have Cliff Averill at the Leo. Those are the most predictable. I would expect Jaron Reed to be the nose tackle playing next to Michael Bennett. That's going to be an interesting thing to watch. Reed has shed some weight. He's been more disruptive so far this preseason. Clint Hurdle, the, the defensive line coach, said you know, he wants to see five sacks from Reed. Reed had three sacks last year. People forget. I think five sacks is a reasonable goal. That's big. Clint McDonald, who we all talk about, he had five and a half the Super Bowl year. So imagine if you have Reed getting five sacks in the middle and you add someone like Sheldon Richardson, who could have someone like seven or eight sacks. Uh, that's crazy. That's a that's huge difference. And that would be the base defense. I think you're going to see Nas Jones rotate with Jaron Reed in that base defense at nose tackle. And I think you're going to see a little bit of, of Nas Jones getting in there to rotate with Sheldon Richardson in three technique, although I think Richardson is going to get 80% plus of the snaps. Now, when they go to nickel, I do expect to see that, that switch out where Frank Clark comes in, Jaron Reed goes out, Frank Clark is on the outside. Um, I think you're going to see Michael Bennett next to uh, Frank Clark, and I think you're going to see Sheldon Richardson next to Cliff Averill. <laughs> Can't wait to see what that looks like. I also think you're going to see a rotation where either Marcus Smith or David Bass are rotating on the outside. Um, it's a coin flip who they're going to have active today. I know they're really high on Marcus Smith. He's a better athlete than Bass. He could be the rotation with Frank Clark, knowing that Frank Clark has two wrist injuries he's dealing with. Marcus Smith could be the guy that gets the call because 
he is probably the better Leo between him and David Bass, or the better edge rusher. Bass is more flexible. He can play outside, he can play inside. He's also, I think, a better special teams player than Marcus Smith. So I think both of those guys um, have the potential to be really um, interesting elements of this game and, and someone that the Packers really don't know what to expect from. So that's going to be big. As far as linebackers go, we're going to have Terrence Garvin getting his first start at Sam for the Seahawks, a guy that a lot of Seahawks fans still don't know very well. This is a guy that has, I think, very potentially elite coverage skills um, at a linebacker spot. Um, very quick, very fast, a little undersized. So he's going to struggle a little bit in run defense, and it's going to be really important that guys like Jaron Reed and Michael Bennett in those base situations are protecting Terrence Garvin, and Garvin's able to stay somewhat clean and make plays on the ball carrier as opposed to having to take on linemen or tight ends. Now, you got Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright that look great. I think Dewey McDonald is fantastic and a guy that, that could come in if they need to. Don't expect to see him today other than on special teams. Finally, when we get into the secondary, we talked about Shaq Griffin. You've got Richard Sherman, you've got Earl Thomas, you've got Cam Chancellor. All signs are this group feels really good about where they are. Um, and we don't know where, where this team would have been last year if, if Earl Thomas would have played. I think they still would have lost. I'll be honest and say that. But I don't think it would have been the same game that we saw. So let's see what this team looks like. Um, when those three, Aaron, um, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, and Richard Sherman have all been in the lineup against Aaron Rodgers, he has not had a passer rating above 81.5. Um, and so I think that and in his last game when they all three played, he had a passer rating under 60. Um, it might have been even under 50. So uh, people forget in that NFC Championship game where the Seahawks came back, Rodgers had two interceptions. So this is a guy that doesn't get intercepted very often. He's had that happen quite a few times against this group of Seahawks secondary players. Now, that's where we are on the defense. I think there's a lot of interesting players. I think the best Packers advantage, honestly, is what they're going to be able to do against Jeremy Lane and probably Shaq Griffin. I think Randall Cobb um, and Devontae Adams have given Jeremy Lane problems in the past. There's a lot of talk that Lane's a lot better off than he was last year. I hope that's the case. I'm not buying quite yet. I think he does look better, but does he look good? That's a, those are two different things. So um, we'll see uh, You know, if, if he can stay close, um, at least be in, in terms of tackling quickly, limiting yards after catch. He was one of the guys that was beaten by Devontae Adams for the 66-yard touchdown last year along the sideline. You know, he's got to stay on top. Shaq Griffin, I expect Devontae Adams is a really sudden player. I expect him to do a lot of stop routes, um, getting some of those underneath catches, and to try to get past him. Um, look for Shaq Griffin to stay close. Let's hope the refs aren't stupid and just call pass interference because Griffin, he gets as close and covered deep as I've seen anybody do, and the refs sometimes get twitchy, especially on the road team. I think that's a big, big matchup. Um, you know, also worth calling out um, the Seahawks. We have not seen this offense yet with Tyler Lockett, Jimmy Graham, um, Doug Baldwin, and Paul Richardson all in the lineup yet. They've looked good just with Doug and with Jimmy. Lockett brings a whole nother level to this group. You know, I think he's a great receiver. It'll be interesting to see if he starts or if Paul Richardson starts um, in two receiver sets. Uh, Richardson has been getting those snaps. Lockett's the better receiver and ultimately should get those snaps. If Richardson plays, this is a guy that's made big plays when he's been healthy. So let's see how the, that group goes um, when they're together. 
Last year, Jimmy Graham was held to one catch for 16 yards against the Packers. We'll see if he gets more opportunities this time. So that's, that's where we are. I think this is a, a great first matchup. It's one of those ones where no matter what the Seahawks do, if they lose, it sucks. We'll, we'll, we'll survive from it and we'll move on to the next week. Um, but it's understandable. Um, really, really tough way to open up at this venue against this quarterback. If they win, watch out. Watch out because this team has the ability to beat anybody, anywhere, and they will have proven it in that first game. Key factor to watch, if Sheldon Richardson and that defensive line is as disruptive as we all want it to be, and they're doing that right off the bat against this team and this quarterback in this venue, We're in for a good year. So it's a lot to ask, but it'll be great if it happens. And with that, I'll say go Hawks. Thank you and see you soon.